Gorilla Healer presents Farms Not Farms podcast, season two, sponsored by buildthesoil.com. Hold up. Wait. We want to thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast presented by Gorilla Healer by giving you a 20% off discount code to gorillahealer.org. Use code SEASON2 when you check out at GorillaHealer.org of any item not currently on sale. And also, be sure to check out BuildTheSoil.com, our Farms Not Farms podcast sponsor, for all of your organic soil amendment needs. BuildTheSoil.com, the Internet's number one spot for your organic soil amendments. Back to the podcast. Uh, welcome to the Farms Not Farms podcast. We're here with a very special guest named Richard Rose. And uh, Richard, I feel like the only person who can introduce you to the best is probably you, considering all of the uh, accolades that you have. So if you'd be so kind to um, tell people who you are, what you're about, and um, why people know your name. And first and foremost, I just want to thank you for being here. It's great to see you. It's been a minute. And uh, yeah, feel free to introduce yourself. Well, thanks, Brent. Yeah, nice to see you. It has been a while. Um, so I started making tofu and vegan foods 41 years ago and then pivoted, uh, won the Inc. 500, selling America's most hated food, tofu, during the Reagan 80s. And then won the Inc. 500. And then a couple of years later, pivoted to hemp seed when I realized it was as uh, proteinaceous as soybean, what I've been working with for all those years. So then I uh, did hamparella, the cheese, and, and hemp a burger, and, uh, and then started shelling uh, hemp seed. So uh, hemp nut, we, I called it uh, shelled hemp seed. And uh, you know it today as hemp hearts. Um, and, uh, and then I uh, retired in 2002, sold the cheese company, tofu cheese company, and uh, been trying to be retired since then. I started the Medicinal Hemp Association in 2014 and no tobacco, white paper, trying to teach people about smokable hemp and educating on CBD and Hemp Flower Products Association and advocacy for legalization uh, of cannabis in general and uh, things like that. And where are you located now? Uh, I, I live in Italy now. In Italy? I Italy, yeah. And you were in America when you were doing the hemp foods and, and tofu initially? Yeah, I was in Santa Rosa in Sebastopol, California. And then I, and when I uh, retired, I moved to Amsterdam for four years, then moved back in 2006 to, uh, to Colorado, and then came over here in about 2016 or so. Okay. And uh, so what year did you convert from tofu, from soy to hemp? 1994, uh, introduced vegan rella, the cheese alternative, and uh, after tofu rella, rice rella, almond rella, zero fat rella, vegan rella, and then hemp rella. And um, so I've been 94, you know, hemp seed is um, about the same amount of protein. It can be eaten raw, unlike soy, has fewer anti-nutritional factors than soy. Uh, it's been mankind's, uh, in mankind's, man the world of man, humans, uh, at least twice or three times longer than soy. 
uh, it's even hemp seed as a food is even older than rice in, in Japan as a food. So uh, it, it was uh, from that introduced, uh, you know, uh, blue corn chips and, and chocolate chip cookies, American sort of foods like I did with tofu. So it would be presented in a, in a familiar uh, manner to, to Americans and uh, Canadian, sold in Canada as well. And so you said 94 was when you switched to hemp foods. What yeah. was the uh, climate like then? What, what, was it well received? I, I imagine that it was probably uh, a, a large educational process that you had to go through in order to get people on board and, and uh, you know, introduce this quote unquote new product, which has, as you just said, has been uh, an original food for many, 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 many generations. Yeah, well, 94, you know, it was, uh, it was a go-go era, uh, and um, it, um, there were some seed products, there was a, a Mama Indica's and in, um, Boulder Hemp Company, they had a chip, Mama Indica's had little seed snacks, uh, Linda had a, uh, up in Humboldt, hemp, uh, had a, uh, a chip as well, and but nobody had done a perishable food before I did the hemprella and, and, or a frozen food. What's that? There we go. Shout out to the beautiful Linda Hand, who you were so kind enough to introduce me to. Oh, indeed. Yeah, she's a dear. Uh, yeah, she'd been doing it before I, I was even doing the chips. And she did a, a baking mix, I think, and a coffee and a few other things using whole hemp seed. Um, so we did, uh, we did a lot of education. We did a lot of PR. I did uh, dozens of radio shows. We were on hundreds of TV broadcasts, news mostly uh, CNN on the menu. Uh, the, we were the lead food story uh, the day after the election in 2000 when everybody wanted to see who won and they went to CNN.com and, and the lead feature was on hemp nut, shelled hemp seed. So I was on the Roseanne show with, uh, on her afternoon talk show in 1999. We talked and made a hemp potato salad for seven minutes or so. And we were all dressed in hemp head to toe and, uh, and um, did a ton of PR back then and ads, a lot of uh, ads. Um, uh, you know, we introduced the hemp, uh, the hickory smoked hemprella, and we did an ad with tie dye. And it said, when we first introduced hemp cheese, they said, we must be smoking something. We are now. And things like that in national ads, uh, veggie times and, and things like that. Hemp times, high times. Does hemp cheese or hemp mozzarella still exist as you know it? No. So I sold the company to my competitor, Tree of Life, uh, Soyakas, in 2001. And um, I, don't think, I think they discontinued it. But there's now um, better cheeses uh, being made from hemp seed by some folks in Brooklyn and uh, elsewhere. So there's a few coming on the market. They're vegan and they uh, are aged. Um, so it's a much higher quality product. And um, I still haven't tried it, but I read all about it and everybody seems to love it. Cool. Big up to Brooklyn. That's big of you to call it a higher quality product. I wonder what you have learned about it that leads you to believe it's higher quality. Well, there's, you know, two ways of making this, these uh, non-dairy cheeses. And one is, is a mixing operation and just like traditional imitation cheese was made. That's how all, all our relas were made. Um, and the other is something that Miyoko Skinner out there in the Bay Area, um, who I've known since the 80s, she started making this aged 
vegan cheese that uses um, uh, rejuvelac, which is uh, wheat berries that are uh, fermented for a little bit. And wow. she adds that to cashew and it actually undergoes a culturing process for a few days at room temperature. Mm. And she's perfected this and a few others have to and this is what the guys in Brooklyn are doing. They have some other cheeses, but one of them is a, is a hemp seed cheese and they make it in that fashion. And to me, that's just a much more superior way to do it. And it's hundred percent vegan as well. And it can be hundred percent organic. Amazing. Yeah, it's important to eat foods that aren't laced in pesticides and chemicals that are designed to kill life. <laughs> yeah, and how, it's funny how the, the the food like our grandparents used to eat is the uh, is the specialty food now and the commercial uh, uh, robot made stuff is uh, traditional flipped. Yeah. And, you know, I had to tell that to my grandma, like grandma, you know, corn isn't the same place. <laughs> Perhaps when you grew up, I imagine a tomato is even a little different these days. And, and she's like, it looks the same. And I said, yeah, but, you know, you have to really understand what's going on behind the scenes to to realize what we're putting in our body. And so I just, you know, I salute you for um, grabbing hold of the wave, so to speak, of riding the wave of pioneering healthy foods back into society because we have an endocannabinoid system and it's really important in my opinion and likely shared with many of us who who have studied the human body that this is how we're designed and we benefit from you know taking care of ourselves the way that uh we're, we're supposed to and if we're if our endogenous cannabinoids are got, not getting produced adequately it's important we supplement with cannabinoids and so hey, richard what what do you think the difference is in in terms of like and benefit of the diet benefiting the diet regarding eating hemp seed versus you know somebody saying what do you mean i have an endocannabinoid system does that mean i have to smoke pot because i don't like to smoke pot and so what what do you think the you know somebody who is new to hemp or cannabis yet is hearing that it could benefit us though doesn't really feel called to really commune with it or doesn't know enough about it what, what do you have to say to that first of all uh hemp foods are not a great source for cannabinoids typically um they have trace amounts of thc and trace and about 20 times more of that trace amount of cbd uh typically especially in the hemp seed oil you'll find a little more but in general, people need to consume cannabinoids uh, just for maintaining wellness. And, um, you know, it's apoptotic. So you, we never will know how many cancer cells were killed when we ate mm. a little bit of cannabinoids every day. Not even enough to get high. Subtherapeutic doses, subpsychoactive doses uh, will we'll get benefit from. And the, the stony cannabinoid is just one of 150. The THC, you know, out of 150 cannabinoids, uh, the other ones aren't going to get you high, but they're going to make you a lot healthier and, and have less inflammation, uh, uh, fewer cancer cells that we wouldn't even know about, um, uh, less psychosis for those prone to it or schizophrenia uh, from CBD or CBG or, or uh, a barren, any of the barons, things like that. So those are um, relatable uh, that's relatable information pertaining to the research associated with ingesting various cannabinoids. Now, what what's the difference between that and ingesting hemp seed? 
Well, there's just not a lot of uh, cannabinoids in hemp seed. Typically, uh, for instance, Manitoba Harvest is really good at this. They clean the resin off of the way the way hemp products in the past could uh, and today even could have uh, cannabinoids in them, especially the hemp seed oil, is that it's not inside the seed itself. It's on the outside of the seed in the resin stuck to the outside of the seed shell. The meaning the cannabinoids. The cannabinoids are in the resin stuck to the outside of the seed shell. So when that would get pressed for oil or consumed, you'd get a little bit of uh, resin, a little bit of cannabinoids. Now that resin can be cleaned off. Uh, it's not that hard. It can be cleaned. And, and Manitoba is one that uh, really has done for a long time the best job at that, meaning no cannabinoids. Um, the problem with- Because of uh, liability concerns, more or less? Well, for the same reason I had a zero THC hemp food product uh, policy, which is uh, cannabinoid consumption should be intentional. It shouldn't be undisclosed uh, consumption that you don't even know because some people have to pee in a cup for somebody. Yes. And if they fail that drug test because I screwed up quality control momentarily, um, they could lose their, their kids, their Certainly. career, their job, their freedom uh, and, and really impact their life substantially. So even though I had a zero THC, uh, policy for my hemp foods, um, I told people not to consume them if they had to pee in a cup for somebody just for that, that reason. Um, and, and so they, they, and also it's just sort of a food processing best practice to like remove a schedule one controlled substance. that's <laughs> not disclosed from your food before you sell it to somebody. Uh, so that's why they've done, you know, many other companies have not been nearly as uh, conscientious as they, but um, uh, we can easily consume cannabinoids, acid form, THCA isn't going to get you high, CBDA is going to do you a world of good as well. So we can consume non-psychoactive cannabinoids intentionally all day long. In terms of hemp seed, if we're not eating it for the cannabinoid content, why are we eating it? Uh, eating it for protein and omega-3. So the hemp seed, the shelled hemp seed, hemp nut, is like a third protein and about 10% uh, omega-3. And the omega-3 alone makes it better than soybean. And the fact that you can eat it raw makes it way better than soybean uh, right there, plus all the other issues surrounding soy. Most of it's GMO, it's heavily sprayed with Roundup, uh, things like that. So it, it's just another vegan protein source to uh, uh, people can consume along with, you know, garbanzo bean or, or, uh, or tofu or tempeh, things like that. Seems like a lot of women or, or, or the potential for soy to interact with estrogen hormones in women creates a bit of a concern as well. It, um, I, I wonder the protein content in hemp seed, is that, um, you know, does it stand up to what we know as a good protein source, i.e. meat? Yes, it's actually higher in, as a percentage in protein than meat. It's a complete protein uh, like soy and meat. Uh, it's limited only by lysine as its first limiting uh, amino acid. It has, it's a complete protein, meaning it has all the essential amino acids. And it's a, the type of protein, it's, it's globular, uh, not uh, structured, like soy is a structured type of protein. And this is globular, like the protein found in our bloods, in our blood. Um, so it's a more assimilable form of protein. 
Um, it doesn't have the trypsin inhibitors that soy has that inhibit the absorption of, uh, of trypsin in the protein. And omega-3s, uh, are they necessary for our body to produce endogenous cannabinoids? They are, in fact, yes. And um, they are kind of ultimately the precursor to all of it for our endocannabinoids. Um, omega-6 omega and omega-3, omega-9 are considered essential fatty acids. We have to consume them to get them. Omega-6 is kind of everywhere in the American diet. It's, it's, we, we have way too much six, but three is lacking. So it's a good way to get the omega-3 that we, you know, you'd only have to get maybe from fish oil otherwise, or pills or something. I know coconut oil is also kind of a good uh, source for some omega-3, um, though at the same time, being able to consume healthy protein while getting good, uh, you know, essential fatty acids, because you know that 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 seems um, key, you know, essential. <laughs> and uh, so many people have been talking about, you know, since the '90s about fat being bad and uh, low fat diets, and you know, so on and so forth. Or so, what do you have to say about that regarding you? You you know, you just said that you want to consume these fatty acids um, and that they're actually precursors for our body to make endogenous cannabinoids, which if you uh, are just tuning in to the Farms Not Farms podcast and understanding the endocannabinoid system, all vertebrates, everybody with a spine, including spiders, have an endocannabinoid system, which is known to regulate our immune system, our digestive system, our neurological system, these major bodily systems. So how do we enable, how do we stimulate our body to for this system to be working in its optimal form and, and regulate these other major systems. And one of the ways that we're understanding that is, is to consume omega-3s and other essential fatty acids. So I'm asking Richard about the fact that we have known or at least heard all this information and in what I can call propaganda about having a low fat diet. And now we're hearing that we should actually have perhaps a higher fat diet though with the right kinds of fats. And even if we're gonna eat protein, the right kinds of proteins. So right now we're talking about fats. What, Richard, what do you have to say about, about consuming fats? Yeah, you know, there's been throughout my lifetime, there's been uh, so many canards about food. Uh, fat is one of them. And we, you know, the, we've, there's a, even a diet, the keto diet, which is uh, all about consuming tons of fat and people still lose weight. So the things that we thought, I mean, I did a zero fat Rella. I tried to introduce a fat-free cheese alternative and we've, nobody wanted it. And the reason why is they want to eat a loaf back then they wanted to eat a low fat diet and then finish it off with a, a big uh, bowl of Haagen-Dazs or they wanted a low fat meal and they, they, uh, they wanted uh, a high fat cheese on, on it or something, mm -hmm. you know, it was this kind of conundrum, a dichotomy that we couldn't understand at the time until- Supersize with a Diet Coke. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Or, and, uh, <laughs> and so um, fat, we need fat and it's not about uh, fat, no fat, it's about the right fats and consuming good fats. and. Uh, um, you know, things like canola is not a, a good fat, um, and especially these PUFAs, as they're called, polyunsaturated fatty acids, when they're heated, once they're cooled, they become trans fats, and that would be canola, that would be hemp, that would be flax, uh, these kind of um, uh, borage, evening primrose, these kinds of 
high omega uh, um, oils that once they cool, they become trans fats. So you don't even want to cook with those, unlike uh, high oleic uh, sunflower, safflower or something. Or so you said you would oil. not want to cook with hemp seed oil. It's not good to heat it high because when it cools, it becomes a trans fat because it's, a, it's, it's polyunsaturated. You know, I've seen, a, I don't know what I'm gonna say a lot, but I've seen CBD products and hemp seed oil and I've always kind of cringed. And, yeah. you know, once you taste it, at least well, let me just say for my own, speak for my own palate, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Though at the same time, when I learned a little bit more about the hemp seed oil and the fatty contents of it, you know, I, um, I, I, I guess now I understand a little more because I didn't even realize that that was, uh, you know, one of the health implications as well. Yeah, I think that hemp seed oil is an awful um, uh, carrier oil for CBD. And the reason why is it tends to go rancid. Easily. Rancid, yeah. Yeah. If it's not made properly and, and stabilized, we use rosemary extract, rosemary oil, as, a, as an antioxidant to try to prevent rancidity. So... Um, it goes bad a little too easy for to be used as a, I mean, if it, it could be bad in six months sitting on the shelf, certainly even with CBD in it. So, um, uh, I think there's better fats for us to be using for, uh, for delivering cannabinoids. So hold on. You didn't have to use a bunch of ingredients that we never heard of in order to <laughs> stabilize the preservation of your product. You just use something that we know that we can grow in our garden. Rosemary, yeah, you bet. <laughs> That's fascinating. It's amazing how uh, much wisdom there there is in understanding, um, you know, the uh, the science of plants and and what and 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 our symbiotic relationships, really. You know, yeah. Richard. You, you, you've been a pioneer in the, uh, the hemp world, as far as I'm concerned. And you, 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 you went from, you know, I mean, the world as we knew it in the 80s and 90s was in relative complete prohibition aside from Amsterdam, right? And maybe a couple other places that I don't know a whole lot about. Um, though I, I, I can say that, um, Coming from somebody, you know, I I launched a product in in uh, kind of the beginning of the CBD craze, you know, and um, understanding what it's like to have to educate the public in order for people to realize what it is that's happening here. And, you know, I had a little bit of a different, I have a little bit of a different or a lot of different, uh, a much different uh, scenario, whereas I work off of referrals and people come to me and, and, and I'm not out here marketing. You launched a product and you marketed it to the mainstream population and got on, got major media and publication. What, what would you, um, you know, I, I'd love for you to speak about that a little bit and, and you know, um, how you were able to bring a product to market. And for all the people out there who are interested in, you know, A, hemp foods, B, how to launch a product in general, especially introducing into a new market to something that you really believe in and know that actually could benefit the world, you know, uh, would you open up that window a bit? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it's a good question. So, 
um, I had since 1986, I started building a international sales and distribution network that had well over at its peak, well over a hundred members, uh, distributors, uh, brokers and the like, and broker reps in the U S and Canada. So we had the products in the, the Rella cheeses already in, uh, supermarket chains and, and uh, health food stores coast to coast in the U.S. and Canada. Um, when I started doing the hemp foods, I just pivoted and plugged the hemp foods in as a line extension to that network. So it helps to not build it on hemp. It helps to build it on something that's it's a higher volume that, um, you know, like if you're a carpet manufacturer, start making traditional carpets and then pivot to hemp don't start making pimp carpets to start your company because it's just, it's just infinitely harder to, to start it that way. Whereas if you're already doing something and you pivot to him, you bring the whole experience you've already created in the, the network and the, and the, the business model and the protocols and everything to the hemp. Uh, and you can just plug in hemp as a, as a line extension to it. So that's what I'd suggest now, if you're just starting out and you don't have another thing to fall back on to, to use to leverage like that, um, it's gonna be just a, a matter of being a really good at sales and really good at marketing, public relations, uh, uh, PR, education. Uh, this is a really education hungry industry. And um, you, you know people appreciate learning facts from knowledgeable people and they're willing to buy products to support that when they when they do uh, um, get taught trained educated properly so it's the psychology of marketing that allows the education to be palatable and digestible for people to have to 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 experience the feeling or or, or the the sensation of uh, of understanding why this will benefit us it's that, and you know, for hemp, we have an advantage in that it's it's inherently interesting. With tofu, when tofu products, we would do demos and sample it out, and people would like gingerly taste it and not, you know, I mean, once they taste it, oh, this is great. But not everybody wanted to try. But when it came to hemp foods, people were like, oh, hell yeah, let me try that. Oh, this is great. Hey, Bob, come here, try this. It's hemp, man. It's hemp. And, and the, you know, they would take packages home and turn all their friends on and tell everybody and all this stuff. And it was a very different experience. Now you can leverage that interest, that excitement, that sexiness, that, that um, stigma even. We would even try to leverage the stigma. We would do first ones free uh, promotional uh, programs to retailers. We would call it barely legal. Um, you know, we would leverage the wink, wink, nudge, nudge aspect of it, which is built into hemp. Um, and it, it would be a shame to like not, not acknowledge that and, and use it and leverage it to, uh, to turn people onto your products. Talk about keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, for a long time, did my best to keep the, the branding, the vision, uh, the visualization of or representation of Gorilla Healer, not so cannabis driven because I wanted it to be able to exist in the world and, and not necessarily have people, you know, I, you know, I, I just wanted it to be able to exist. You know, everything was so illegal 
and um and it's so much different now though at the same time like we are who we are and there's no shame in our game and at the same time like for 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 me to to really you know dig inside of myself and 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 feel um you know um reflect on how beneficial this plant has been for me in my life you know who am i to hide that from anybody else let alone you know obviously we don't have to wear um everything we do on our sleeve in society uh at the same time um you know some of us uh represent more than others you know and um i think it's important to 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 maintain that integrity and i'm really inspired by you you know um talking about what you are because obviously this uh this duality that i've been experiencing whereas i want to exist in uh in 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 the matrix so to speak while at the same time being myself because i've been blocked quite quite frankly from helping people because of my of my cannabis association in the past you know uh, specifically there was this uh, youth organization that i wanted to contribute to and they were really interested in having me contribute to it and then they looked me up on social media and they were like oh no we can't have this and at the same time in real life they were all about it and then they just saw this you know association with a plant and 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 weren't allowed to anymore whether or not they wanted to and so that brings me to my next point uh, or question which is really you know introducing you you talked about let's say you make floors introducing hemp floors so you know i, I spoke with somebody there even in season one of the farms not farms podcast his name was graham marshall mueller and he's a build a builder he buys houses and fixes them up and sells them and he's great at it so he, he we were talking about how toxic building materials are and how we most of us live in houses we have no idea how toxic the materials are that we use to build them how toxic they are that we're living in literally and you know when we're talking about the benefits of building with hemp um versus the current materials there's there's a you know many many shows on that in itself though i'm sure we could touch on that though at the same time introducing like how do we introduce a product you went from non-hemp to hemp in food, which is really, you know, a big thing. There's a lot of regulations on it and building materials, there's a lot of regulations on it. Whereas you can't just start building with hemp in commercial environments, you can get in trouble. So what do you have to say about that? Well, you know, um, and like, how did you do it? Well, we, we got some pushback, you know, we, it was sure. a different time 20, 27 years ago, and and the the stigma was easier to leverage. Um, we had a big uh, pot leaf neon green on every package of Hemparella, this big, on a purple background with the big word hemp, about this big. So it was on shelves across the country and Canada also, and and um, and it helped destigmatize to people the leaf and the word hemp because they'd see it in, in their local health food store. And, and they, they, you know, it would, it was no longer a, such a stigmatized thing that they couldn't even see it in the health food stores of food. And we were written in the business pages and the food pages, and that helped destigmatize the plant in general. Uh, and a few years later, they passed uh, Prop 215 in California. And, uh, and I think that all of us doing our bit to, 
to popularize hemp had a hand in that because it got destigmatized to the, the voting public and they finally passed 215. But the stigma, um, you know, there's a lot of pushback from Whole Foods. They banned our hemp foods uh, uh, and hemp foods in general until 2004. Um, I would find that I would walk into health food stores that had like a long haired owner and were really hip areas and I would show them the package and they would turn white and they'd say, you, you need to leave now and, um, and kick me out. And I figured out <laughs> that was because they were probably using pot money, grow yeah, money. Yeah, they probably thought you were a narc. <laughs> well, they didn't want it on their show. Or they didn't want to they expose themselves, sure. They didn't, well, that's what, they didn't want the heat from having it on the <laughs> shelf. And, and I mean, literally, you could see them just like, they'd be smiling and all friendly, and then they'd show to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you need to go now. We're not going to carry that. We could just, just go. And, and you, they're like, I'm not you know, risking my family to sell you cheese, bro. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And it was, it was, uh, and it was funny that way. I mean, even places like New Paltz, New York, you know, hip little, little towns like that were doing it. And, um, uh, it, so there was, uh, and the other one pushing back was Ocean Beach Food Co-op, which is, said it was a, a political statement they didn't want to carry it but you got to realize this is a worker-owned vegetarian uh, vegetarian they had no meat uh worker-owned organic vegetarian co-op which was a political statement all by itself mm. so yeah. you know between whole foods and ocean beach we had it covered but at the same time it was being sold in the travis air force base px in the travis air force base in california uh -huh. So. You know, so many people, including myself at times, has fo have fallen victim to this. And many of us are living in this matrix of following mainstream, thinking that this is what we have to do. And then there's the, you know, the quote unquote weird side people who, you know, straight up live in color and don't put ourselves in a box and live square in order to conform and 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 survive we those of us who are you know uh, pioneering and 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 building roads so to speak and and bridges you know um it's uh it, it takes really living the dream and and what that means to me is living in our magic and and like I, I always say, we're the only ones who love what we love the way we love it. And so if we live in love, then we're contributing what we, our love in that original way to our world in a way that nobody else does it. And so, if, you know, we, there, there, there's like the, the, the vegan co-op that you just spoke about, like that is to me, the ultimate contribution. It's, it's the ultimate I don't even want to call it revolution or anarchy, though. It's it's just straight up like representing and and being the change which with which we wish to see and and contributing what what our values are rather than just conforming because we're told that we have to. And so I salute you for putting a leaf on there and putting it out there. And I salute you for and everybody who was around you and before you and, 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 and after you, who stands up for our rights to be free and to be ourselves and to be human, you know? And uh, 
and to have an endocannabinoid system, you know, yeah. it's, it's it, thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen, brother. Testify. Yes, sir. Is there anything, any, <clears throat> first of all, is there anyone that you would like the people to look into to learn a little bit more about the history of hemp foods or hemp or, uh, you know, um, anything at all that you, you know, I, I, you're, you're often posting a lot of information. And yeah, I, I'd love to offer you the floor and just, uh, you know, go on about your business and let us know what, what the deal is, you know, and definitely some history uh, lessons and where we can do our own research because that's what yeah. sovereignty is all about. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So richardrosereport.com is where I'm posting a lot of stuff and it does a, literally about 10,000 posts a year on CBD and hemp. Uh, I've turned it down. It, it's going to be a lot less now on higher quality posts instead. A uh, bunch of downloads there on CBD and on business like forecasts and financial management tools that I used in the past and things like that. Um, and then uh, Chris Bennett um, is a, a good a good guy to follow to learn about uh, the history of cannabis in different aspects, especially great historian. Yeah, great historian and uh, ethnobotanist, and and uh, he he gets into like how uh, how much uh, cannabis is in the Bible, which is a, a ton, uh, cannabosum and um, uh, proof of it. And he's been he's been saying that for for years now, and they're just starting to find more proof of it. So he's been right all this time. Um, uh, Gregory Zorn is a good person to follow for studies. He dissects them and, uh, uh, you know, um, posts the, 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 the bullet points of each one. Gregor, Gregor, no why, Gregor Zorn. And he does a really good job. Um, you know, there's a ton of people doing good education um, uh, out there. And uh, uh, those are the ones that I, I follow and, and um, uh, I look forward to, to their posts. Awesome. All right. So, um, well, thank you for that. Is, is there anything you would like to leave the people with in, uh, in terms of, uh, I also want to say that, um, a good resource for finding out information about CBD and, uh, research articles that I have found is projectcbd.org, And they have a lot of different, uh, um, ailments listed that you can find correlating research with from the National Institute of Health. I don't know if they go as far as to link Google Scholar or anything like that to bring up everything, though they definitely have a good amount of stuff. They don't. You know, I was, you know, Granny Crow, you've seen the Granny Crow work where they have yes. all those studies. I was trying to do Granny Crow without having to cut and paste all day and every new study. So, it was automated, so I didn't have to mess with it and it would give you literally up to the second results. Um, Project uh, CBD is another source. Um, PubMed uh, is another source that's, mm. that's worth checking out and you can get alerts. So you could get like cannabidiol uh, um, if they're, when something's published on PubMed, which are studies. Um, you would get an email with with the, the abstract and the link to it, and uh, or let's say if, like arthritis, if you you could publish, uh, you could uh, do a search cannabis and arthritis, 
and then set up an alert. So every time a study was published on, uh, that mentioned arthritis and cannabis, you would get an email. So there's a lot of tools like that out there. Uh, Google Scholar is another you can set up alerts on for certain keywords. It's amazing for so long, you'd speak with doctors about the potential benefits of cannabis and they'd say, well, there's just not enough research. And being a doctor, you learn how to qualify research. And so at that point, you understand if there's not enough peer reviewed research that I can respect, I can't implement this into applying it to life because that wouldn't be responsible. And with that being understandable at the same time, for so long, we've been saying, hey, look, it's working. Hey, look, it's working for thousands of years. People have been doing it and using it for various reasons and a myriad of conditions, of course, since you know, when we're talking about our immune system, our neurological system, our digestive system, and how when we have those dials, our hands on those dials, we can affect so many parts of our lives. Um, you know, now that it's becoming more acceptable and legal, we have the ability to do more research. And there's a lot of research available out there. If you look it up and you'll find the correlating evidence that, you know, it's not just anecdotal anymore. It's actually, there's something to this. Yeah, there's uh, at least 25,000 studies on cannabis. So it's one of mankind's most researched plant, uh, plants. Adderall, they give out like candy to kids, uh, you know, uh, today. And there's only uh, under 200 studies on that. So the, uh, when they say there's not enough research, they're, they're right and they're wrong. There really is, needs to be more research, but it's no reason to not legalize it. We, we've, we allow far, uh, uh, far more products and, and, uh, and drugs on the market that have far less research. And this, at the end of the day, I mean, even DEA said it, it, uh, cannabis is uh, uh, man, uh, most safest therapeutically active substance known to man. So, wow. um, you know, this, there's, it's not like it's a toxic thing that's going to hurt people. And there's no reason to keep putting people in jail over it. Oh, man, you know, I, 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 I say this about the fact that we are not trusted to utilize this non-lethal substance that has so much benefit potential benefit, I'll just say for liability purposes, though, even though what I've seen is, is uh, nothing short of miracles. Um, I, I'd, I'd say that um, we are trusted with so many products that we can buy at any given time of day as much as we want of it without anybody questioning us. And they would kill us if we ingested it at all, or if we ingested it a lot, let alone the fact that on every restaurant we go to, there's a bunch of salt on every single table. And if we'd eat the whole bottle, we'd get critically ill, if not die. Yet we're trusted to use as much as we want. Nobody says anything to us or looks over us or regulates salt. In fact, I heard there was a salt tax many, many, many years ago and people were, uh, it might've even been a currency at one point, um, which salt is an essential nutrient. We have to ingest it to to live now we need more salt in terms of daily on a daily occurrence than we would need cannabis uh supplementing with cannabis because for 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 to sustain life that that doesn't necessarily mean to to enjoy a healthy life that we don't need uh to ingest cannabinoids in some way shape or form or at least allow our bodies eat the right foods to allow our bodies to properly make the endogenous cannabinoids that it's supposed to any uh any, um so you know, if there's anything else that you want to say to the people before we, we go, I, I first want to thank you, uh, or third, now, I want to thank you and uh, 
you know, for, for, for representing and, 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 and being you, you know, you're, uh, you're a leader. And, 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 and I realize how hard it is to be retired when you believe in something. Um, but, uh, it's enjoyable to see you rocking and rolling and definitely good to see you smiling and being positive. And, uh, thank you again for, uh, you know, your, your contribution to our world for introducing me to lend a hand. Also shout out to summer from Envira Textiles and, uh, and you know, also want to say definitely check out uh, you know um, Jack Herrera if you're new to hemp or new to cannabis, um, and and uh, the Emperor wears no clothes, and um, um, yeah, anything that you want to talk about at this particular moment, I'm signing off, and uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. To, thanks for having me on. No, just the last thing would be uh, June is Hemp History Month, so expect to see at least a post a day on Hemp History Month on Facebook and on my site uh, on that. And um, we'll, you know, there'll be a lot of the stuff on the early days of hemp foods and, and uh, probably some Henry Ford uh, stuff. There's one gonna be on uh, a crop that was grown in California in 1994. Uh, that was DEA legal, a hemp crop that, uh, so there'll be, that'll be uh, posted. There'll be a bunch of stuff. June is Hemp History Month. Thanks for having me, Brent. Yeah, thank you. And uh, it's possible that uh, the person that introduced us, I believe, is, uh, introduced us can can use some love and a shout out too. So shout out to Jason Love. Also shout out to the homie Dr. Bob and uh, everybody else out there who's doing your part to allow the rest of us to understand the uh, importance of this beautiful cannabis plant. And uh, as always, we're gonna sign off on a nice deep breath to enjoy the blessing and miracle of this life. So if you'd be so kind to, uh, to uh, invest in yourself for a moment on the count of three, one, two, three. Good to be with you. Cheers, man. Take care, bud. Love. You too. Peace and love. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao, bello. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Healer. If you want to watch the full episode, plus behind-the-scenes footage, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash burntmd. And subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, buildasoil.com, for all of your organic soil amendment needs. As always, be well.